ancient wisdom for a healthy menstrual cycle and caring for the wombs, the seat of creative intelligence for all women on earth. Hi, welcome to the Vital Veda Show. I'm your host, Dylan Smith. I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner and a holistic health educator, as well as someone who is increasingly intending and working on my ability to respect all women in life. And one of the ways I can do that is by understanding their hormonal cycles, whether they are menstruating or not. They are going through various hormonal cycles and women themselves, if they begin to understand that, as well as those who are around them, such as other women or other men or other genders of whatever you identify with, other people, when people, when we can honor these various profound cycles that ancient wisdom practices like Ayurveda have, you know, great knowledge and wisdom on how to respect and honor these profound cycles. I mean, ancient women honored the menstrual cycle as this essential life generating material, which is willed by not only mother, the moon, but also the other planets and the constellations, which we call nakshatras and, and a greater intelligence is what is giving women this menstrual period in order so that they can cleanse and purify this inherent shakti, this divine energy, which women have. And that is so a fragrant life can blossom, not just to have children, but for so many other areas of life. So we go into this episode with my beautiful friend, Nidhi Pandya, who is a New York based third generation Ayurvedic practitioner who works globally. She was indoctrinated into Ayurveda at birth and her grandfather was an Ayurvedic healer. In 2002, she founded a value development school called Vekitva, which counseled young adolescents to help them find their purpose in whatever they do. And now she's a practitioner of Ayurveda. She's a blogger, educator. She's at faculty of the Shakti School of Ayurveda. And wellness to Nidhi means aligning your body and mind to only consume what nourishes you on all levels. This can only happen when you truly understand your body and you are able to tune into your mind. Wellness is not the fear of sickness. It is the freedom that comes with well-being, as Nidhi says. So Nidhi's beautiful. If you want to see more about her, you can check out nidhipandya.com. That's N-I-D-H-I-P-A-N-D-Y-A.com. And you'll hear about all that. Check out the show notes with every episode. We have show notes that complement all episodes. And some of these show notes, they go in greater detail. So that being said, you should check out all the other episodes we have on the Vital Veda podcast. We uh, show where we go through, you know, some of the coolest topics, in my opinion, and the opinion of many others, of everything to do with health, spirituality, consciousness, and basically the laws of nature, which is the vet. So on the topic of menstrual health and women's health and gynecology, we have recently episode number 58, Vaginal Microbiome, Youthful Genitals, and reproductive essence with Angela Heap, who is also known as the fertility nutritionist. We have episode 48, menstrual health, fertility, PCOS, and amenorrhea with Lara Bryden, who is a very renowned naturopath who, who's huge on women's health. And episode 46 is more on the subtle, divine creativity, Shakti, and accessing the mother divine, Devi, with your show to Devi Ma. That's episode 46. Episode 43, Ayurvedic Fertility, the Missa Aligned Superwoman and Juicy Radiance with Heather Grish. And that's again, Ayurvedic Superwoman or Misaligned Superwoman, such a, such a great thing. And we've got another one, which people were asking about is 
about all about the different contraceptive methods and learning, you know, what are each ones, what do they do? And that's your guide to birth control methods, the contraceptive pill and hormones with Wendy Jumresk, episode 13. And there's more. We've got stuff on fertility, like episode nine, and there's just, there's just so many. So check out these episodes. And if you appreciate this stuff, leave a review. Tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear it. And check out the Instagram as well associated Vital Veda with most podcast episodes. We have a giveaway. So check that out and enjoy this episode. Nidhi, so beautiful to reconnect. It was a few years since we saw each other in New York City and you were very kindly reached out and were beautifully hospitable me coming to your city and it was really nice to see the beautiful groundwork you you're doing there and yeah I was so impressed meeting you in person seeing how how youthful and beautiful you are and knowing that you have two children they, <laughs> thank you so they're much, both Dylan. daughters I have two daughters Dylan and it's such an honor to be here on your podcast uh you know, you have that energy that you were born to do Ayurveda and it was such a pleasure meeting you. I'm really glad we reconnected and we're doing this. Mm, I am as well. And I'm, that's so, I'm so glad that you have two daughters because that's going to, we're going to hear a lot of experiential knowledge from you and I'd love to. But the first thing which we always start in our episodes are, well, I'd like to know what was your dinacharya this morning? What was your daily routine? Well, was my so whatever detail, G- give me all the detail you want. <laughs> all right. All right. So I'll tell you this morning, I actually flew in from Florida last night, uh-huh. uh, which was a vacation. So there was a lot of uh, late night sleeping. So this morning I woke up at six, which is a little later than normal. I, fir- I went directly into my meditation, actually. It's a breath work and meditation, which I did for an hour. Then I have a little puja, a prayer that I do. And I did very little yoga this morning, uh, which was preceded by Abhyanga. So after my meditation and my puja, I did Abhyanga. I practiced my yoga and then I took a bath and I do my tongue cleaning. So when I brush my teeth, which was after yoga, I, I did my tongue cleaning. I took my bath and actually I, 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 my order was a little different today. And I did my nasya afterwards. Uh, logistical, technical reasons, my daughter was sleeping in my room. And then I did which my is sniffing, Which is sniffing oil up the nose. Yes, Nasya. So Nasya is is one of my favorite practices, which is uh, putting two drops of oil in your nose, really lubricates the brain, supports brain health, sinus health, everything above, everything above the region of your shoulders. That's the food for that whole region. And I did my Nasya. And then I went to eat my breakfast. And my breakfast this morning, which is most mornings, five mornings a week, was a cup of hot milk with a little bit of uh, a spice. The one I used today mm-hmm. was Sito Paladi, soaked in peeled almonds and uh, about two dates. And then I have some ghee. I have some Ayurvedic ghee in the morning, Shatavari Gruta. That's what I did in the morning. And that's what my Dhanacharya looked like today. That's beautiful. And I have the same breakfast as well every morning, um, the oh. hot milk with spices. And I don't have the nuts and the dates because I, I prefer even more lighter, but beautiful. But I think it's the, one of the best breakfasts. I love and it. it. I just, love the milk. And what's your background? Well, obviously, you have Indian heritage and now you're in you're a real New Yorker. So. <laughs> so my background is that I grew up in Mumbai, Dylan, and my grandfather was an Ayurvedic healer. 
So I grew up with Ayurveda. I, I was naive enough to assume that this is how everybody in the world lives. They understand the cycle of the sun and they understand the bio-individuality of their own body and they understand how some people can be... Uh, can be hotter, some people can be drier, some people can be more sluggish. I thought that was that was a common understanding. It was great because I felt like I learned Ayurveda through immersion, uh, through like just I was indoctrinated into it at birth. That being said, I also took it for granted and I did not really uh, formally study Ayurveda till I was an adult. And, you know, way into my early 20s is when I realized that I want to be studying this uh, formally. So I, I, you know, the knowledge that I had growing up and the curiosity I had growing up, which was a lot of curiosity, I then coupled with formal education really brought me to this. And I was in the U.S. at that point. Uh, it was a great time. I Back then, people were like, why are you studying Ayurveda and you're going to be living in the U.S.? But it didn't matter. I knew this was what I wanted to do. This was my calling. The logic, the strategy, none of that mattered. Um, and there was this really deep connection once I had left it behind and moved to the US that I had to take it, bring it back with me. And ever since then, I have been teaching, practicing, writing, and the path didn't need to be carved. You know, I feel like it's one of those, once you do the work, you put your heart and passion into it. It's just, you don't know and things keep building and things keep, growing and the world is ready for it I couldn't have asked for more and now I practice all over the world but I live in New York I teach I write and I love what I do it's beautiful and uh, it's so so appropriate for you to have both that western and eastern influence because that's what I we want to talk about today about menstruation which is really um I think a, a great exemplar of the need to bridge that eastern and western wisdom or perhaps the eastern wisdom to the west however there's this kind of misinterpret so many misinterpretations and dogmas of how the east such as ayurveda treats the menstrual cycle so you know when i started studying ayurveda very in the very beginning stages um at my college and i still am most passionate and interested and and work with the most is the women's health and the gynecology and the thing that really inspired me initially was when my teacher at the time the college uh, professor he said the most greatest gift to a woman is her menstrual cycle. And I was just like, wow. And then he went, went into why, how it's so powerful. And it's this, you know, life generating material that is gifted uh, by, you know, the, the higher energies of, of our life and the moon and which is this profound cleansing and purification of her shakti, of her divine energy and physical energy as well. So that she can, you know, blossom into her, the rest of her cycle. And just honoring that and but but with that also comes these dogmas which are in India. It's definitely there of the way that they have, you know, either regulations and social conditioning and social kind of ways of expecting or treating women. So I'd love to touch on the wisdom of the menstrual cycle and really the essence of it, because it has got misinterpreted and misunderstood, which has caused people to be like, oh. This is India, it treats them badly, things like that. So. Absolutely, absolutely. And it is one of my favorite topics too, Dylan. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. Right. So you mm -hmm. so you tell me where you want me to begin and we'll start. Yeah, I think just like let's let's go into the wisdom of, of the menstrual cycle and what Ayurveda prescribes or would recommend a woman to do during her menstrual cycle. 
Right. So, you know, the one thing that we need to understand, and Ayurveda understands this really well, is that a woman needs to be a fertile ground, right? So as we see in agriculture, there are seasons, there's a harvesting season, and but the fertility, the, the warmth and the moisture that always need to be maintained for land to be fertile. And that's kind of what a woman is. She has, she's this fertile being and has the ability to nourish and create and procreate and uh, the man plants a seed and then the man leaves, but the woman provides for everything else. So that's essentially, I mean, to me, that concept of this divine Shakti that a woman is, this divine power that she has to take a seed and, and nourish it and create it and grow it into something bigger. I think women need to remember this, that this is what we embody. We embody that power within us. Now, that being said, that also gives us a huge responsibility to keep our, the, I use the word fertility, not as just the ability to have children, just as fertile land means that it's well kept, it's well maintained, it has enough moisture, it has enough heat. Similarly, that's what a human, you, uh, that's what a woman's body needs. It needs that uh, moistness because everything, like you said, it's a moon cycle. It's connected. To, moon is connected to all the fluids on the earth. So there are fluids, right? There's a whole play of fluids that happens within our bodies that we must honor and keep intact. As well as there's a regulation of heat. There's a thermostat inside our body that is constantly working to keep this environment intact. And our menstrual cycle, right, is that potential that we experience every month, that potential that we have to create within ourselves, to create in our bodies. It is a reminder to us that when our bodies are functioning in that fertile manner, in that balance, your menstrual cycle is a reminder of that potential as well as it's a cleansing of the body. Keeping that divine space clean, it is a great indicator of where your health lies for a woman. It's a great indicator of your inner power. And of course, just as I, what I also say is, right, that the ability the woman has, the change we experience, right, in terms of the doshas for the Ayurvedic population, but in terms of the temperature and the physical changes that you experience through the menstrual cycle every month, they're very volatile. And the woman has the power to adapt to something that is so volatile. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I always say that we are so adaptable. And what makes us volatile is also what makes us adaptable because we are used to changing so quickly. We have that ability. And just how a snowstorm, right? The snowstorm, people can argue that a snowstorm is a natural phenomenon. Similarly, the menstrual cycle is natural, but just as you brace yourself, just as you slow down in a snowstorm, it is important for a woman to honor that menstrual cycle, to understand that for the short period, because my body is, this is the time for my body to really say, hey, you know, this month I'm ready to cleanse. I, I did not build, I took the option to not really build within myself. So I'm ready to let go of this. And it's a cleansing process. And the body has temperature changes, tissue changes. If you want to use the, you know, the whole medical terminology, hormonal changes, it's very important to slow down and honor. And Ayurvedically, Dylan, we can get into it. What does it mean in terms of what's really happening to the environment over the course of the cycle? But Ayurveda strongly prescribes that this period 
to be honored and to allow the cleanse to happen in a manner that you're back to fertile land and you're back to building you're back to a place which can build it's like if you have old harvest or you have you know you have agricultural land and you have stuff sitting on it you have mold and the cleansing is not happening you can't grow on that land your menstrual cycle is such an important not only indicator but an opportunity towards health i say how you do your menstrual cycles how you reach menarche and do your menstrual cycle determines how you will menopause and age it is a very important determinant and for that ayurveda has prescribed a bunch of protocols not very difficult but we'll go into that and super easy super scientific and logical and really give you tremendous results beautiful yeah and i'm so excited to go into those protocols and when we do it's not only for the women i want to also you know to to the men who are their partners and even to their mothers who are past me- menstruation anyone who's living with or caring for a woman who's menstruating how can they also play their role in order for them and i want to emphasize it's not that fertility is not just to have a baby it's to birth your creativity and your expression in the world so yes let's, let's go into that's such a good reminder dilin it's such a good reminder you know it's it's such a beautiful thing with every menstrual cycle yes there are some dogmas and there has been a social structure that oh my god the woman is dirty during her period but no she's it's a reminder of her divinity a period is a reminder of her divinity of what she's capable of and for that the entire family needs to support so i'm going to take this in perspective of the modern world didn't should we talk about in terms of temperature change what happens and that's why you do these protocols beautiful yeah definitely it's good to explain because people think as you said oh they're dirty but what's actually the true essence of why these protocols are there right so you know let's start from the time that you know from the first phase of the cycle right so you've had a period and then right after that your body gets ready to build again and you know things happen in your body but your body says hey we're ready to invite invite a baby we're ready to invite a sperm a seed can be planted in this womb and let's build so what your body does in the first few days right before ovulation right ayurvedically speaking it's the kapha phase where it's saying let's start building and your lining thickens your body is building nice fluids so that if you were to have intercourse and if you were to invite that life into your womb it has a nice it's it's a temple so it's the building phase then comes the middle right when you're ovulating comes the transformation phase or the pitta phase just how everything in life there's a spring and then there's the summer but that's the summer phase it's the transformation phase at that point if your your body becomes hot and that's why in the west they say hey basal temperature increases and basically it's the pitta phase that if you were to get the sperm your body has the right temperature and the right right environment to create transformation all transformation in the universe is supported by heat and that is that phase you know so that ovulation little bit of water little bit of heat droopy eyelids a woman gets uh, you know she's increased libido she wants to indulge uh, all of that is because she has that fire that liquid fire in her to be able to create and well if that doesn't happen then you move towards the the last phase which is always the 
the depletion or the diminishing or the decline phase, which says, hey, this was not required. And let's start this process again. Let's, let's give this opportunity again to ourselves. At that point, what happens? The, the destroying element, right? Or the diminishing element in Ayurveda is the element of wind. So let's just say a little tornado with a little bit of heat hits your system and it kind of allows for the lining to break. That is not required anymore. And the wind allows it to be expelled from your body by pushing it downwards through a period. And that phase, right, that phase of the wind acting with a little bit of fluff fire to create that nuclear blast is what you're experiencing. So if you were to measure your temperature, if you were to me- measure, you know, let's say blood work, you're, you're a little bit out of what is today called homeostasis or equilibrium. So when your body is going through that, it's going through that little tornado and little cleansing process, then you want to brace yourself and give it a little bit of grounding. Because if you don't, so the first thing you want to do, right, when you have this windy quality in your pelvis, the first thing you want to do is not exercise. And I say that because I see this to be the single most thing that's completely, you know, neglected. And to not exercise, because when you're exercising, you're taking that wind, which should be concentrated in your pelvis and routed downwards. Now that's gone all over the place with your movements. It goes all over. It can get into your joints, it can get into your head. And that cleansing doesn't happen, you know. It's like when you have a vacuum cleaner, it's targeted, right? It's targeted to take things in one direction. If you're blowing it all over the place, things are just going to go all over. So that's you protecting your vata. You're, you're grounding your wind element. So that's one of those things that I say. Similarly, a little bit of rest is indicated. So not really napping in the day or anything, but just slowing down, just honoring yourself. As well as because this is going to be that hot, aggressive blast in your system, you want cooling and grounding foods. What are cooling and grounding foods in Ayurveda? It's not having a cold glass of water. Cooling foods are like rice, milk, even warm milk, right? Because it's grounding, it's nourishing. A rice-based dishes, coconut-based dishes, avoiding anything that's already hot and has that same nature as what you're experiencing. For example, eggplants, tomatoes, excessively spicy foods, excessively cold foods, raw foods, those are actually going to aggravate how you feel instead of grounding you and nourishing you. So it's a very simple protocol. Anything that's an antidote to this dry and hot blast, you do all of those things and you support and you support that little activity that's happening by giving it rest by of course there are some other things that you can do like castor oil packs warm warm packs those are all things to help and relieve but just this food and not exercising and resting protocol when done effectively month after month after month i see a lot of people who had experienced that lack of fertility not in terms of conception, but just health, have now regained their cycle in a very simple and easy manner. Yeah. One of my favorite treatment protocols for hormonal imbalance or menstrual issues is to just rest during a period. And that helps so much, even if it's painful periods, irregular periods, you know, menorrhagia, excess bleeding, just simply resting. is so. And I'm glad we started with the rest because it really is the most important and, um, you know, the, all her hormones during the menstrual period, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, she should not have any demands. And as a man, I will say to anyone who lives with someone, that's when the women should have minimal demands and 
let let her go into that space and for that you know i think it's a wonderful time for partners for people in relationships to you know have a bit of time less intimate and less, less social time it's 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 very healthy i think for to have this monthly period of a bit of more detachment and giving each other space um i just also want to add to what you said with the diet definitely yeah, i love all those cooling grounding foods that are cooked but also light to digest because we want to keep that as you said that wind in the pelvic floor we want to keep that blood flow we just want our energy to be on that downward purification which you're talking about rather than putting our biological energy to digesting hard to digest foods so eating light resting absolutely absolutely and i really like what you added that you know it's it's a zen time it's a time for introspection it's mm. a time to slow down and honor yourself and honor your partner and of course with that copulation is is contraindicated you know women yeah. were traditionally meant to sleep on a certain grass bed you know made on made sleep on the floor and it was not because they were ostracized or they were just like it was because it's grounding there's a lot of practices sleeping on the floor is a part mm. of a treatment a grounding treatment so really being closer to earth people didn't live in buildings back then so as close to earth as you could get on grass on a certain type of grass bed that was made was was done so that that grounding can be experienced and of course your agni or digestive fire is kind of compromised during this time and you know there's a reason why there is uh, amenorrhea or menorrhagia we can talk about that further as well dilin that how lifestyle and diet choices can create those situations and how they can be prevented as well love that wisdom behind the grass mat when i do my diksha my initiation annually we have to sleep on a grass mat and i and it's it's not just any grass it's these these medicinal grasses like durva grass and durva, it's so exactly. potent i love it it's yes. it's like so medicinal so i i want to go durva. more into all some other protocols like one is like don't don't go but the women should not cook or should not you know be in the kitchen and this of course is one reason is to rest but but what else because you know people think oh what am i dirty is that why you don't want me in the kitchen yes yes oh those are so interesting the temple and the kitchen we can talk about both right even even the temple even right. chanting right there's a reason why you don't chant during that uh, right so let's talk about the the kitchen first right now So Dylan growing up we were not allowed to to go in the kitchen when we had our periods and you know of course we questioned it and we did it and we would touch the spices as young girls and we would be like okay we're going to touch because and inevitably those spices would get eggs that would hatch so all you know all of if their spices are organic they usually have eggs which are which all our organic spices have which they don't hatch because they're kept it they're kept in that temperature but if they were to get heat they would hatch uh, or the rice if you were to put your hands in the rice and they have those eggs you know those little bugs they would hatch so if anybody touched you know within the next few weeks my aunt would come and ask us who touched the spices on their period or who touched the rice <laughs> on their period and if you were five girls in the house and that was always the case so because your body temperature is different there's a heat and there's a sliminess during your period and it's hot you're actually lending all of that heat to the food which is which is kept 
at a certain temperature, which is sattvic, which is cooling. So beyond the fact that you're supposed to be resting, your physically, your interaction, physical interaction with the food is going to affect the properties and the qualities of the food. And somebody can actually try this. You buy organic rice, and if you have your periods, and you you know you you hold, you'd handle it with your bare hands, and you see what might happen after that. And of course, this won't please, happen with all and the spices. Please report back. And please report back. Exactly. For those listening, please. Yeah, please tag me near the on Instagram or, and let us know. <laughs> Look at the bugs in my eyes. <sighs> really, I, I found that really, really fascinating. And how how intelligent. Uh, talking about even chanting, right? So prayers have energies, like mantras, Sanskrit mantras have energies. And some have warming energies and some have cooling energies. And, you know, what can happen? And this has happened. I've experienced this actually myself, but more than myself. There was a masseuse that I was working with and she did Ayurvedic massage. And somebody asked her that you, you do the abhyanga while chanting the Gayatri mantra, which is a Surya mantra, you know, which is related more to the sun and the heat. And while she, and she kept chanting that and she got her period that night, completely untimely when she was very regular in her period. So basically, some of the mantras are, you know, have warming properties, some have cooling properties. Uh, when you read the Shastras, they have a way of reciting these Sanskrit mantras. And when you're on your period and your body temperature is different, as well as the properties that you carry. You know, there's a sattvic aspect. Sattvic is a cooling aspect to the nervous system during the period. Uh, you know, because your body is internally hot, that's a little harder to get to. So chanting or visiting a temple is also contraindicated for that same reason. It is more of an introspective time. And that's how it is to be taken. So these are actually both very interesting concepts to me, as well as there's one more subtle concept when it comes to the temple. So the concept of a spiritual practice is that you have a subtle prana, you have a subtle vayu which moves upwards, which elevates you. But during your period, all of that wind is moving downwards. You know? You're know, you not working on your subtle prana. You're not working on the subtle elevation of your soul. Your body, the gross body, is actually working on the downward movement of prana or vayu because it's, it's you're expelling, you're using that to push downwards. So that's why you're not having these conflicting forces during your periods. Beautiful. And it's a similar thing with even, I'll add to the food as well, because food is also, you know, it's plant life. It's, it's grown from the ground, upward rising prana. So that as well as even they say to, to not do the gardening as well as the cooking, because it is again, that upward, you know, earth element food energy rather than the menstrual blood, which we want to just be down. I mean, that's the key with menstruation. That's why Another thing with the rest is to not to use your mind so much, not to think or study or stress because then the prana, the energy, the vata, it goes upward. We just want downward motion, everything out, purify, so that we can cultivate this wonderful fertility for not just birthing babies, for, for birthing life and everything. So that's, right. that's beautiful. Grounding um, is the key word. Yes. And what about to not bathe during the period? This one, there's a lot of modern science we can say. Right. So uh, taking a bath is naturally vata aggravating. Even abhyanga, having an abhyanga practice, right? So whenever there is movement and the concept of movement or even abhyanga or taking a bath, it's naturally vata aggravating, which means kind of it's 
taking that wind in all directions of your body. So again, it's contradictory to all the grounding that you want to invite in the pelvis. Similarly, when you're doing abhyanga, which even oil needs to be digested in your body, and you want to keep all your energies focused there, right? It's just literally as you know, if you were doing a little nuclear blast, you would fence everything off, and you'll say, "Hey, all forces, come here. Mm. Let's 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 really enclose everything so things don't go." all over the place and that's kind of what you're doing in your period and when done right you know pcos pcod endometriosis infertility like none of this happens and i can vouch for that i come from a family where there's eight women all together nine women none of us have any of these conditions never fertility has been you know the ability to be conceived has been great nobody has had Miss periods, PCOS, PCOD, none of those exist in my family. And there are women from different households who've also come into the family, been married. So it's not that it's all in the genes, but it's in a certain lifestyle. And, you know, I've witnessed it. I've seen it. So it really does work. And what about any, any menstrual pain? Because I always make it clear that it's actually not normal to have any pain, only a heightened sensitivity. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was surprised when I used to go to school and there, there were girls who were like, oh, it's, you know, my periods are painful. I was like, yeah, really? They're painful? Wow. Like, how, how would it pain? Because I've never experienced, I would say now sometimes I may have a little bit of intensity in my periods after having two children. And I understand that's also not normal. To me, that's very clearly an imbalance. Either I've traveled much or I've eaten wrong. But otherwise, pain is not, like you said, it's not supposed to be there. Most often pain happens because the wind gets trapped in places. That's when, you know, the kind of cramp cramps happen. Either there's a very sluggish environment, so the movement of wind is not happening freely, or there's excess wind, there's excess wind aggravation, and it's gone and it's trapped into your channels. It's gone into your back somewhere, it's gone into your cervix and pelvis somewhere, and then it's creating this kind of cramping. Or sometimes there's just excess heat and inflammation because you've gone on the other end of that heat, that nuclear blast, and that can create discomfort as well. So it's not normal. It's all of these aspects that can happen, and they all have combined as well as unique different reasons for women to experience this. And also what you do between your two cycles also goes a long way in determining how your cycle will be. So usually things done, right? Pradnya aparadha or crime against wisdom or things that you do in between cycles also plays a very important role in how your menstrual cycle will play out. Yeah, it's, it's very clear to see that I see in women and patients when they have a stressful month, their period will be more rough because it's having to purify that month. And similarly, if you really rest and honor that cycle, then the month ahead is much more smooth because you've done a sufficient purification. And I just want to add, so you said Abhyanga aggravates Vata, but actually Abhyanga with oil is one of the very amazing things to pacify Vata. However, definitely if done during the period, it will activate the blood flow because once you give yourself a massage, you activate blood flow to areas where it shouldn't be. We want to just keep it concentrated in the pelvic floor. So I'd love to talk about a niche topic, and that's menarche. And I say niche because people wouldn't, most you know, young girls aren't going to listen to this, but definitely you know, parents. And because what, what I've heard, it's a big rite. Of, it is a big rite of passage for women, and I think 
in many cultures, not only the West, but people are not giving rites of passage to children or to boys or girls in general. And I think Menaki, I mean, I've just heard that my teachers in India, the wonderful things they do. And even I've had a, a patient who got her first period when she was like 30 years old for various conditions. And she also went through this beautiful Menaki because it was big because that was the whole treatment for years. She tried to get her period. And then when it happened, we did this amazing rite of passage through the Ayurvedic principles. So I'd love to know what are the ages of your daughters and what's your wisdom and experience and, of course, your sisters with Menaki? Right, right. So some, some traditions actually have a ceremony to celebrate Menaki, right? I mean, I think all cultures across the world celebrate adolescence. But Menaki, so my daughter, my older one is 13. She actually got her first period earlier this year in Feb just a month before she turned 13. And my younger one is eight and a half, close to, to being nine in July now. So a month from being nine years old. And I think it's a beautiful time, Menaki, right? Because when you understand how the body plays out, and we talked about those three cycles, the cycle of building, the cycle of transformation, the first ha- the first 13 years of life are building, you know, it's all water and earth, your bones are expanding, your muscles are building, you're just, you're, you're assimilating, assimilating, assimilating mentally as well as physically. And that physical assimilation leads into a body being built. And the mental assimilation leads to good memory and learning. And when you hit menarche, right, that's when heat increases in your body. Now you've moved into the transformation phase. And it's beautiful because even in the mental assimilation, that fire sets in. So now you have an opinion, right? Now you're ready to take everything that you've learned and you're ready to create with it. Just as you're physically, you've taken and built this body and you're ready to create with it. You're emotionally ready to create. You're ready to have your own opinions and your own, you know, your, your mentality changes. So it's a celebratory time and it's a unique time for parents and for girls and everybody in the household. And I think it needs to be understood a little bit deeper that everything changes, the dynamic changes, the way your girl, you know, children who've hit menarche or they started getting their periods, how they will operate changes. And I think imparting this wisdom of what is really happening in your body and why do you, you're, becoming even more sacred at that point. You become, a, you know, your divine energies really come up for you. I think imparting that information to your children, as well as empowering them to get into that transformation phase, that creative phase, goes a really long way. Teaching them some protocols, as well as that respect that it takes for them to have the space to create, also plays an impact on their physical health. So it is a very special time. For our family, just the tradition I grew up in, there is no ceremony, but we do follow all the protocols and it's to be celebrated when a woman, there's a, there's a general feeling of a celebration, not to be embarrassed, but to enjoy this new phase of life. Yeah, beautiful. I think what my teachers have taught me, what, what they do is for even the first 12 days that the girl goes through a very introspective process, you know, either with some elder woman or with, or herself. And then, you know, on the 13th day, they'll finish and they'll have a feast and a celebration because like this bud has blossomed and to keep warm and keep that heat. That's another reason to not have the shower. And then there's even things when they do like a a turmeric paste all over the body 
for that to maintain that heat and even purify further. And these things to then there's the first juice to eat, the first food to eat, and all these things after. But besides teaching, you know, the girls about this, how else can parents share this wisdom with their children and uh, give them that respect for, so that they can embody that? So, you know, I'll be honest with you, Dylan, right? So it is it is a challenge living in the West and being able to impart it in the gravity that I want to impart it, right? Also respecting that, yes, they have, you know, they, they, they're expo- that I, while I'm the the main figure in the in their house and their family they are also influenced by school so i i believe in meeting them midway and i think it's important to give them the science that's what i did i think when suhani was close to getting her periods we sat down and i told her about the beautiful cycles that a woman experiences and from the ayurvedic perspective as well as the western perspective so they had both and then giving her the insights that what exercise would do, what sleeping late would do. So of course, sleeping late is also contraindicated because it's very aggravating to the wind. It'll create the same thing. What extra intensity would do. And I think it's important for the girls to also see the mothers follow that protocol and also create space for introspection during those times. Just being very practical, the, the times today, right? Children are always in motion. And the schools create that environment, the society does, it's just unfortunately the reality. But when you create time for introspection or you you take that time and you create an activity around it. So we do more journaling, we do more meditating, we do more, you know, more grounding things in those times, slowing down. Sometimes we'll do a smudge in the house. But when we do all of those, you know, you make that a very special time for your daughter. And you create that tradition in your house, which is not a taboo, but it's almost special. It's like, it's not a full birthday celebration, but it's kind of, it's a time to honor yourself and to create those systems, to set an example and allow that to go. For me, I also cook the same kind of food. This is as a support. We don't have huge families today. We live in nuclear families. I'll also try and cook that rice-based food for everybody in the house. You know, we all do that. And that's a great way to support your teenager. But basically making sure that the sleeping happens on time, that there is, you know, they play sports. I had a deal with my daughter that, you know, when you have your period, you don't play basketball for the first three days. I said, that's how we sign up for it, that you, that you know, no dancing, no basketball. When you have your period, we take that time, you know, we, we do something a little bit more grounding in those days. So, you know, create, strike that in the beginning, right at menarche. You don't want to fight these battles much later on, as well as, you know, that sleeping happens on time. Your screen time is minimized and how important all of that is. You need to do this at the start and create that expectation rather than, you know, wait till you are at a, place of like, hey, I've got, you know, I've got a period, miss cycle, acne, PCOS. You don't want to wait till that point. Exactly. And and it, you said this earlier, but it, it goes definitely to the menopause. I think a huge thing about how rough and smooth your menopause is, is according to how you honored your menstrual cycle. And I've seen, you know, it, it, in India now, the menopause is increasing more as is the infertility and all the menstrual issues, but, you know, even in my short, very short career, 
when I started eight years ago in the clinic in India, there was so much less of that, so much more less infertility. Now, um, and less of these menstrual issues, this uh, painful periods, like I think the more the, the women are less honoring it and working through and through their periods, it's, it's, they're getting these conditions and, and the menopause as well. Like I've seen it even with people who have done the protocols of the purification, like the panchakarmas and the banana treatments during the periods, like my mother for one, but other women I've seen that the menopause is just like that. Just like you just go into menopause, like nothing happened. No symptoms at all. Just suddenly stop and become a, a wise elder. That's so true. That's exactly what it is. Um, Menopause is supposed to be asymptomatic. It's not supposed to be, you know, you just, you ease into it. And I've seen that plenty of times myself. Cool. It's beautiful. Well, I, this is, this is great. I would just love to touch on ovulation, particularly I finding it's more rare when women get, you know, pain during the ovulation or increased sensation. I'd love to hear your view on that. Right. So, you know, Dylan, in my experience, what I've seen, it's usually, right, when there is, it starts at the level of the agni for a lot of people that this has been built up for a long time. Uh, when the agni has been compromised and the food, traditionally the food that we eat is supposed to go into nutrients and waste. But when there is undigested food left in your system, which has blocked your channels, and now it's sitting in your channels as ama, as they call it, you know, just toxic undigested waste and blocks those little delicate pipes in your system, the delicate channels. There's somewhere there is heat, somewhere there is inflammation. I've most often found that that environment is not conducive and the egg has a hard time being released and that smooth movement is lacking. Almost everybody that I have worked with who has ovulation pain has some kind of AMA situation, some kind of blockage. To that again, you know, something like a, a great cleanse, a good panchakarma, eating light foods, some level of langhanam or, you know, fasting in the right manner, helping release that area and cleansing it out, reducing the inflammation there almost always helps. But it's usually a blockage that's there because of long-term toxicity in the body. And it, it goes back to what, you know, the foundation, a causative factor of so many diseases and imbalances, according to David, is that improper agony where you're not digesting the food into that thin fluid nutrient to give you energy, but it's going to that armor, that thick fluid, which will is the beginning stage of many, many diseases. Okay, beautiful. I would like to ask you one more thing, Nidhi. Mm -hmm. What's with the piercings, the different piercings of the body? You've got a nose ring. Yes. Will you take us through some of the different piercings and what's the wisdom behind that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the, two, the, the two piercings that I'm familiar with and very scientifically done is the, the nose piercing as well as the ear piercing. Now, the ear piercing actually happens, you know, at sixth, seventh, eighth month of a baby being born. And it stimulates actually, right? So these are points, these are important points and you can call them meridians, you can call them marmas, you can call them channels. But these are points, the, the ear piercing is actually for brain health, it supports brain health. But the nose piercing, which I find very interesting, has to do a lot with menstrual and reproductive health for a woman. I for sure can tell you 
that even if there was a, there, there was a slight moodiness, I'm not going to deny, you know, I've done my share of abuse uh, in college days of my, in my body and junk food. So I had a little bit of PMS and after the nose piercing, right? It's that fluid. So the nose piercing has to do with reproductive health and all the fluids in the female body and, you know, unblocking those channels. And the nose piercing has to do with that. So for anybody who has, you know, PMS, menstrual trouble, Mm. I think this is the one that you definitely want to consider. The the ear piercing has to do more with the intellect. In fact, now in the West, Dylan, they have something called brain yoga in school. And you know, you basically, cross, this is something that we were made to do when we got us, we got something wrong in school, which is like cross your hands, hold your ears and do sit-ups. Yes. Right. So the goal was to stimulate these points again. <laughs> and that's what here in the West now they've called it brain yoga and it's people, it's, it's helping people, especially, you know, kids with learning disabilities. Beautiful. And is it only the left nose side of the nose to pierce? Yes, it is the left side of the nose and there is a certain point. It has to be right in the center. I think it has to do with, there's a measurement actually. I'm not 100% familiar with how it's measured, but I know there was a thread that's taken and there's a technical way to measure it. So you want to do it on the left side in the right manner. I think a lot of people who do the piercings understand what that point is. Even with the ear, right, there is a measurement of how you pierce it. And that's basically across your cheek with a thread And it has to be perpendicular. That measurement, I know where it is in the texts and I can get that. But it it says if you've done the piercing on the right place, it never gets infected. So if the piercing has gotten infected, which happens, Dylan, all the time being a woman, I'll tell you, if the measurement is done right, you basically never get infected. The piercing never gets infected. Beautiful. Love it. Any other cool little things that people wouldn't expect that they can do to help there? hormonal health and menstrual health? Uh, not as exciting as the nose piercing, but I will tell you, you know, castor oil, castor oil packs <laughs> yeah. while, the, while the overall abhyanga is contraindicated. And like Dylan said, uh, I misspoke. Of course, abhyanga is great for normal general vata aggravation, but you just don't want to invite movement in other parts of your body. That's why it's contraindicated during your periods. But just applying castor oil on your pelvic region, Castor oil has this great, crazy ability to invite wind from everywhere to be re- to be routed downwards. So it's the castor oil that I that that's the one thing that I highly recommend. The other thing that I really like, Dylan, is using oil tampon. You know, when you're in your thirty, let's say you're closer to your forties, and you know the vaginal region, right? There's natural dryness with given our lifestyles that comes in and using organic tampon. Of course, Ayurveda, we make our own tampons, but if you get an organic tampon, dip it in in a certain oil, preferably Dhanvantari Tailam, and for a while, and you insert it and you wear it even once a month for about two, three hours. That does a lot for the whole vaginal environment and the dryness and all of that. And you'll see eventually it does help the period as well. That's the one thing I can say. Also, eating raw foods can be very damaging to, you know, that whole, if you, if you experience period pain, going on harsh diets and eating raw foods and a lot of salads can also be very detrimental to your reproductive health. So those are a few things that I want to definitely mention. And wearing white, you know, wearing white. Jasmine, these are all mentioned in the texts, you know, as just cooling treatments. So wear white, smell jasmine, pamper yourself, make your life a spa. 
and really honor your own self during your period. It should be a time where you know you just remind you remind yourself of wow, what a great capability you have. So not being embarrassed of it, but really embracing it. And your body will recognize that that state of your nervous system and will and you know give it and it'll it'll reward you accordingly. Yeah. Um like your monthly retreat. Beautiful opportunity for that. And and yes, I'm a big fan of the lubrication of the yoni of the vagina and we have a couple gis, one yo- a yoni gi and also a special fertility gi, which are two different medicated gis to put on the organic tampon. And, you know, I mean, we, we recommend it uh, even a couple times a week during half the night while you're asleep or while you're meditating or whatever it is. And, yeah, beautiful. I think that's that's great. Anything else? Oh, just with the castor pack. So hot castor oil is better. And mm-hmm. if you're going to just massage it and how to actually do a pack, is it just dipping a cotton cloth in warm castor oil and placing it on your lower abdomen? How, how can one do that? Yes. You know, so what you can also do is just warm castor oil. Of course, you can get surgical cotton and you can make a very thin layer of that cotton and you can apply the warm castor oil directly on, you know, on the lower abdomen and the pelvis region. And then you can place that cotton as well as some gauze on it. You know, so kind of it stays intact and you can actually keep it on there the entire night. And and that's fine. You can even insert some in your belly button and that's fine too. And that really helps. Sometimes, you know, for a little bit, you may also want to put like a hot pack on top of it, but for not more than 15 or 20 minutes. And that really does wonders. It feels very, very comforting for those who actively experience that kind of cramping and pain. It's a very soothing treatment. Is it good for women to do even if they don't experience even if women don't experience Yeah, it's issues. great for, you know, uh, it's recommended right after you deliver because, again, the same thing happens. You know, the wind in that region kind of wants to go haywire. So it's it's a recommended practice right after you deliver. That's the first thing that a woman actually does in the traditional texts. But beyond that, of course, if you are experiencing discomfort, not right after eating, this is not something that you want to do right after eating. You want to do it three, four hours after digestion you know, after you've eaten. So when food has been digested fully, a good time to do it is right before bedtime and you can keep it on. And yeah, women can definitely do it because you want to keep the vata at bay, especially in that region. Beautiful. Great, Nidhi, thanks so much. Is there anything else you would like to leave the audience with and how how can they find out more about you? She's got, Nidhi has an awesome Instagram. It's honestly, it's so informative and it's just like graphics that just say it like it is summed up very love it so check what's your instagram and thank you dylan find out about you right so my instagram is my underscore ayurvedic underscore life i know that's a little too long i didn't i clearly didn't think before but now the name is done and so that that's what it is my underscore ayurvedic underscore life Uh, you can find me on instagram i have courses that i run online i have my own website but i'd say a good place to start is my instagram okay beautiful thank you till next time thank you dylan this is great thank you for having me Thank you for listening, and I hope that you will be honoring women more in your life or yourself. So important. If you want to find more about this, check out the show notes or check out my blog article on vitalveda.com.au, Ayurvedic Guide to a Healthy Menstruation. That's kind of, we go into more 
more of those protocols to do during menstruation and yeah, wonderful things. And Nidhi has kindly offered a giveaway and she's going to be giving, giving away her course, Knowing Yourself Through Ayurveda. So if you want to get to know yourself with Ayurveda, you can win her free course by either leaving a review on iTunes for this podcast and taking a screenshot and sharing that review to info at vitalveda.com.au. That will count as one entry. And if you want to enter a second time, you can go to the Instagram post associated with this episode and tag Nidhi and me and Vital Veda, and then just give us one takeaway. All you have to do is comment one takeaway, which you have received from this episode, as well as like both Vital Veda and Nidhi on Instagram and comment one takeaway you've got. And you'll be in the draw to win at random near these beautiful online course. And you can also check out the podcast episode that I did on the Mahasoma podcast called Ayurveda for Menstruation, Preconception and Conscious Conception with myself and my dear friend and Vedic meditation teacher and Vedic wisdom holder, Laura Pool. And that's podcast five of Mahasoma. So thanks for listening. And if you appreciate the work we do, please support, leave a review. And until next time, much, much love.